Welcome to Secret Lives of Chiropractors, where we get personal with chiropractic leaders, mentors, and influential entrepreneurs. And when I say personal, I mean really, really personal. So personal that the things that they have opened up in here, they haven't really shared anywhere else. Today, I had Dr. Lacey Book on the show, and she is one of my favorite female chiropractors who is also a very strong entrepreneur. And I love that because let's be honest, that's rare. We talked about Lacey's desires in entrepreneurship at a young age. We talked about her struggles and the darkest times of her life and how that helped her propel her forward. We also talked about her love for speed. Um, one of the things Lacey and I talked about was this mindset of scarcity that is sadly super common in us chiropractors and the evolution of an entrepreneur that starts with the need to make money and hopefully and down the road and ultimately getting to a place where things are just enough and you start to come from a place of abundance and a place of enoughness. This is a huge shift in thinking and probably the most important thing that I teach inside of Elevate Club. Tapping into the energy of abundance, making decisions based on where you want to go, not based on the limited and the scarcity mindset of the situation that you happen to be in right now. Because the more you feel enough and the more you feel that abundance, the more you will have and experience and pull those kinds of things into your physical reality. If you haven't joined Elevate Club yet, you can head over to www.elevate.me and that's spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E dot me and uh, join for the trainings that we do on a weekly basis, the live coaching goals, the group text messages and on all things mindset, abundance, and enoughness. Uh, well, enjoy today's episode. Listen as we uh, dive deeper with Lacey Book. Be sure to subscribe, share, like, and of course, tune in to the next episode. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secret Lives of Chiropractors. And today I am super excited because I've got um, Lacey Book here with me. And she's, if you don't know her, just Google her. But I'll tell you, she's one of my favorite uh, female chiropractors. She is an author, a podcast host of the book and the podcast uh, called None of Your Business, uh, the book, and then None of Your Business, the podcast. So check those out. She's also the co-founder of uh, Black Diamond Club and a coaching consultant for over 700 healthcare providers. And uh, not only that, she's, of course, a chiropractor, uh, uh, owns multiple, over 14 uh, different clinics all over the country. And I am super excited to have her today. Welcome, Lacey. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Thank you for giving me your time. I know you are super busy. So let's get right into it. Lacey, one of the questions I um, like to ask my guests, and I'm super curious what your answer is, because you and I have connected and we've had some really good laughs. And 
um, taxi cabs and uh, via text and some other things. But uh, we're going to get a little deeper today. So I want to know what Lacey was like when Lacey was a little girl. Like, what were you like? <laughs> You've done so much. You're such a great entrepreneur, great chiropractor, great friend, all of these things. What was life like in your childhood? What was that like? Oh my goodness. Um, so first off, the the thing I always think about is what my mom used to tell me. She said that I, from a very early age, like very, very young, I always knew what I wanted and I did not give in until I got my way. She's like, you're the most difficult child. She said, you never cried, but you would sit there stubbornly until you got the cereal you wanted, got the juice that you wanted, you know, got to drink out of your sippy cup, like whatever it was, like since I was really, really little. Mm-hmm. So I think from a very young age, I've always been super independent. It was completely in my nature. Um, and then the way that I was brought up truly like amplified that, right? Like I, you know, grew up in a family where we didn't have a lot of money, single family um, income home. Uh, I started working when I was 14 years old mm-hmm. and I've never not had it. Like I've never not had a job since I was 14. I can't remember ever really taking a day off or time off. Even through chiropractic school, I worked two jobs in chiropractic school. Um, And so also doing that, like working so young, like earning money from such a young age, like truly amplified my independence. So... Oh, I mean, even during like high school, I, I wasn't around my house a lot. I was out working. I was out doing things. I was out with my friends. Probably got into more trouble than I would ever admit out loud. Um, but you know, it really, really allowed me to, um, not only get a lot of street smarts, but a lot of book smarts and really amplify my independence to be able to, to work and do the things that I do. Mm, I love that. So, um, since you said there were things that you did when you were young that you wouldn't, you wouldn't admit to out loud, <laughs> well, of course we're going to go there. This is secret lives of chiropractors. Well, what's, like the, what's like the baddest thing that you've done? <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> That's got to stay a secret, like really deep, dark secret. But let's just say this. Let's say this. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I hung out with the same like group of guy friends for probably 16 years. Kind of always was like a tomboy, very feminine, but a tomboy, if that makes sense. Right. It was still the same. I feel like you you do the same thing right now. I do. Yeah. In fact, I'm surrounded by. Bye guys, 24 seven, our whole team is full of men and that, that works for me. It's kind of fits my personality type. Um, but yeah, we got into a lot of trouble. We, um, it was mostly the football team. Um, I, my boyfriend was captain of the football team. Um, I was with him for four years during high school, but he was a little bit rough. And so we got into a lot of trouble, um, mm-hmm. a lot of fights, you know, okay. stuff like that. I was around a lot of that kind of rough, rugged type of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I may, or I may or may not have started a couple of those when I was (laughs) in high school. So yeah. Or were you the reason for the fights? A little bit of both started them reason. Yeah. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Okay. So, um, since you had that stubbornness in you, since you were a child, uh, I know that that definitely plays a role that consistency and persistence in entrepreneurship. Um, Did you, did you have, did you start, where did your entrepreneurial journey started? Cause I know you said you've always had a job. Did you start a business when you were younger? Did you get into it after chiropractic school? Tell me about that. 
You know, what's really funny (laughs) when I think about like, when did I start getting kind of that entrepreneurial bug? I was actually really young. I remember that my cousin and I were only a month apart. And so we also got into a lot of trouble. Um, but we, when we were very young, we always were trying to figure out ways to like hustle and make money. And I can remember us literally going into our parents, like pantries and like we would get these big baskets and we would put tons of stuff in there, like beef jerky and different types of food and um, clothes that we didn't want anymore. And we would go door to door and knock on the door at people's doors and sell like this random basket full of stuff, like for no reason. So I think that had an entrepreneurial bug very early on, like always, always trying to figure out what are some ways that I can make money for A, B, and C? Yeah. Um, also, but it was a battle because I was trying to make money, but I still still really suffered and have dealt with like that lack um, mentality and mindset mm-hmm. for so long. Um, and so they kind of work hand in hand, right? You don't feel like there's enough. And so you're like, how can I get some, right? And so yeah. from very early on, I remember doing things like that. Um, I started like a very small t-shirt company when I was 18 years old. I had moved out of the house, left where I had lived in the Bay Area um, for 18 years and moved up into the Sierra Mountains and started working for chiropractic offices out there and then had like a side gig of selling t-shirts. So kind of, I would say pretty early on. Pretty early on. Yeah. You said something that's really, really, I think, uh, profound. It's something I think about all the time and I've experienced the same thing. So I moved to the U.S. when I was 16. And so my parents, they brought their entire life savings to the United States, which pretty much would last you like a month and a half in the States, right? Because of the dollar. And so we went from being like middle-ish class all the way to like definitely like poverty level, right? And so then the, the need to make money was, was there, but it was, but it was like very fear based of like, I want to do that because I definitely don't want this. And there is a time that I, and I know that you agree with this and I want to come back and talk about this because it's important, but there's a time that it pivots in an entrepreneurial journey where you're no longer in the scarcity and you move into, okay, now I, I want all of those and I want more things, but it's not from coming from a place of, lack or scarcity. Yeah. Right. And I think there's so, so many phases of this journey and I'm finding myself in in a different phase and we can get there um, Mm -hmm. after we go through this. But yeah, I think very early on, you know, when you're 14 years old and you have to work and you have to contribute, that's, that's solely based out of need. It's solely based out of necessity. Right. And, and to have to do things like out of pure necessity, especially when you're young like that, it does really ingrain and deepen that um, mentality of there's not enough in the world. Like we have to figure, we have to always figure out a way, like, how are we going to come up with the next dollar? What are we going to do with the next dollar? Mm-hmm. Where are we going to put the next dollar? And it's this constant like struggle of this necessity. And I don't even know if the necessity will ever like be filled because I don't know that there's enough out there for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, what's so hard. Cause you're working so hard to fill that need, but you don't actually believe that it'll ever be filled. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the struggle. And that's yeah. difficult. Yeah. And, and that's the separation, right. Separation from, from the, from what's, what's actually available, but you are getting in the way, your thoughts are getting in the way. All right. We're going to come back to this because this is too good to, to just end right here. But I'm curious from 
when you first started to now, like, you know, co-founding multiples of uh, millions dollar companies, all of these things that you and uh, Sean have together, what is, what would you say has been personally and maybe professionally um, has been the darkest, most struggling, lonely time in your life? Um, you know, for me, one of the things that I always, I learned this from my father, like my father had a lot, um, he was a lot older. My parents were actually, this is interesting, but fact about Lacey, but my parents were actually 30 years apart and, um, they were together for 30 years before he passed away. And he was the most amazing man on the planet. And he taught me so many things, uh, uh, like old school, like morals, belief systems that I, I really feel like I have been able through all of those times, been able to, to foundationally have inside of my core to drive mm-hmm. me through. And so one of the things is, cause I always watched my dad, his name was Stanley and everybody called him bud. Cause he was everybody's buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what happened in his life, he never changed. He mm-hmm. was always the same person. He always treated people with the same respect, the same love, the same humbled heart. And I remember, you know, going through this, this journey of entrepreneurship, even when, you know, Sean and I didn't have uh, two pennies to rub to, to now where we have, where we have multiple multi-million dollar businesses. Mm-hmm. My whole thing was like, I never wanted to show up differently. I wanted to be the same Lacey that started this journey as I go through this journey. And some people are like, well, you're supposed to change. You're supposed to grow. Yes, you are. But the core person that I am, when I had nothing, I wanted that individual to remain. And so in, in an effort to try to stay that way, when you go through that journey, you lose a lot of people. Mm. Very interesting thing. And I think for me, that was the the hardest. Some of the darkest stuff is like some of the people that I thought were closest to me that I'd known forever that supported that, supported that Lacey when she had nothing. Um, the fact that I was still the same person and they can leave me because I had something, I think was really hard to swallow. That's a difficult, difficult thing for anybody to go through. And you have to just still maintain what you're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. That was That was pretty hard. And second to that, when we, when Sean and I were getting started, because my lack and scarcity mentality ran so deep, um, when we were living in a 625 square foot apartment and were like drowning in debt and eating top ramen, man, there was times where I was like, I can't see, I can't see my way out of this. Right. Um, but I knew that there had to be a way because I never not found my way out, but there was times where the darkness was it was thick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how did you overcome that? Like, aside from the knowing that everything was going to ultimately be okay, what were some tools or like secret sauces or ingredients of like trying to get out of that or whether it was mindset or actual practical ways to get out of it? Yeah. I worked on my mindset like a lot. In fact, um, somebody that's been with me through my whole journey, um, she's my intuitive life coach. Her name's Katya Dimitriva. She's fabulous. Um, And so very early on, like when Sean and I were going through all that, number one, couldn't have done it without his support and his belief in the way that the world works and the way that money works. Um, But number two, I couldn't have done it without somebody telling me the truth, like in a way that was so raw that it forced me to change. And, And that was Katja for me. I remember when Sean and I didn't have a lot 
um, I was like doing a lot of work with her and um, I, I like sat down and at one point she said, she's, she's Russian. She just like says it how it is. Right. And she's like, I have to tell you something and you're not going to like it. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down and she said, number one, she goes, I need you to know that you are the one holding Sean back and holding you guys back. Mm-hmm. It was like, Ooh, ouch. Like, ouch. Luckily I am in a space where I don't take a lot of things like ridiculously personally. And so I did not take that and get defensive. I didn't take that and try to deny it or push it back. I actually went to Sean that day and I said, you know, um, Katja told me this crazy thing, like just the craziest thing ever. She said that I'm holding you back and holding us back. And he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, you are. And I was like, okay, what a day. <laughs> like, what in the world? <laughs> and so from that moment on, um, he had been working with me in the office. I told him, to, starting tomorrow, you got to go do you so that you can grow this vision that we have for our franchise, the specific chiropractic centers. I'm going to work our way out of debt out of this office. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was literally probably one of the most pivotal moments in our trajectory in our growth as a couple. But from that moment on, I knew that no matter what, every day I had to work on my mindset, on my money mentality, my scarcity mentality, my craziness, my my OCD-ness of going down rabbit holes of what could happen and what could go wrong. And so from that moment on, like all I have ever done is continually work on that so that I don't fall back into those old habits. Mm, that's really good. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> and um, Lacey, do you still have self-doubt? Um, I mean, of course, I think everybody has self-doubt that creeps in. I would be lying if I said that I wake up every day and I'm like, yeah, I can conquer the world. I've got this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when we have been so deeply ingrained with a specific paradigm or thought process mm-hmm. that lives so deeply inside of us that in those moments where where things aren't as you expected or or happening as fast as you want or other things are going wrong or, or out of your control it can e- it can easily like press on those old old negative belief systems even though that you've worked so hard to shove them down i don't think that they ever actually go fully fully away mm-hmm. and it's in those moments of slight like vulnerability where you're like oh that thought creeps in again mm-hmm. and for me that so that happens it's that self doubt it's like where is this going to come from um you know is this going to work and then mm-hmm. i have to remember like all the tools like you said that i have put into place to be able to override that thought so that it doesn't reconsume me the way that i lived it out for so many years in the beginning of my life Yeah. Yeah. And I bet, I know for me, one of the things that I do is like having that morning routine or having some kind of a process throughout the day that anchors me. It's not like you do an hour meditation or two hours of a morning routine and and then the rest of the day, you don't have self-doubt, but it does give you a reference point, right? Like you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is, this is my reference point. And I can always kind of go back to that. Do you have like a morning routine or a ritual or something like that, that you do? I don't have like a a morning routine per se. I pretty much get up, drink my coffee, look at a couple of things. I like to read, like educate myself very early on in the morning, um, and then get started on my day. But what I do is I, I, 
and I work with my clients on this a lot is I recognize like my red flags, mm-hmm. um, like my triggers that I'm, I'm stepping into a, a way of thinking that I don't want to think mm-hmm. or a way of feeling that I don't want to feel. And then I have like safety mechanisms that I just like offload to begin to like work through that process. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ones that I, my clients actually like the most is something that I call the evidence journal. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have a company that's created this and we're printing it out now. But essentially what it is, is that when you are setting a goal or you're trying to to make a change in your mindset or in your business, or you're trying to work on a relationship, like you have to be able to see the evidence that throughout the day that you're actually moving forward and closer to that thing. So many people are like, let's say weight loss, for example. I want to lose like 10 pounds, right? And they get so stuck on like, oh, but today I didn't lose any weight. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, but like the evidence shows that today your pants were could button a little bit easier. Like maybe your weight is shifting. Today, there was evidence that you had the ability to not eat that chocolate cake and eat that salad. So it's evidence that you're moving forward. Or if I'm trying to get new clients, it's, I want to, you know, 50 new clients this month. Evidence, somebody called today, somebody emailed today, somebody texted today. And so if you can really like focus in on all the positivity and the evidence that the universe provides you, that you're moving forward in things, instead of you looking in the rear of your mirror and getting negative, you can actually really focus on those things and step yourself out of your own limiting beliefs. And so when I get a little crazy, I go back into that and start looking at evidence that everything is going to be okay. I love that. And I think that it's like, it's kind of like celebrating the small wins too, and your brain and your body and neurology starts to look for it. And then you start to also take the paths that give you bigger wins also, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um, Lacey, do you have any regrets looking back at your life? And or um, are there areas where you look back and you're like, you know what, I knowing what I know now, I would have done it differently, or I would have done more of something or less of something. Mm, I know. It's so It's so cliche, but I don't, I, I don't think so because I think every every stepping stone, every moment I've experienced, everything I've done wrong, everything I've done right, um, all of the the trouble I got into, um, they all all were part of like chipping away at who I am now and shaping me into the person I am th- in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I I do enjoy the person I am now. And so I don't think that I would want to to change that because I don't know who I would be if those things were different, you know? And so I've really finally like now as I've gotten into, you know, this age and stage of my life, I've really settled into who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I enjoy that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's good. I love that. Um, Lacey, we're going to do some really quick, uh, rapid fire questions. Perfect. All right. So do you have a childhood nickname? Oh, I have so, I have so many, I have so many. So my, my, my my parents call me Dolly because I look like a cabbage patch kid when I was really little, like literally identical to one. Yeah. Like super chubby cheeks, like the little nose. And so they call me Dolly all the time. And then, um, this is aging me, but you know, Ace of Bass, you guys, you remember that band? Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. So, um, my friends used to call me Lace of Bass all the time. So that was my nickname. So Dolly and Lace of Bass. Mm -hmm. Ooh, I love that. Um, and then Lacey, what kind of student were you when you were in school? Like, were you an A student, an F student? 
No, I was an A student, but I was also a sneaky student. And so I didn't show up to class a lot. And I used to... (laughs) Entrepreneur, right? I used to bribe the attendance people to erase the mark that I was absent. And so (laughs) I didn't go to school a lot. I mean... I definitely went to school less than most people, but Mm -hmm. I always had the ability to still show up and pretty much get straight A's. So what you Mm -hmm. needed to do. Okay. I love that. And um, who's been the biggest influence in your life? I mean, definitely. It definitely starts with my dad. You know, I think again, like being able to be raised by somebody that, that had all of that within him, the, the, the morals and the respect and that like truly humble heart. I think from a very early age, if I didn't have that, um, I could have turned out really differently because of the trouble I got into. I think my dad was a, a solid grounding being for me. Um, and I think that that's what allowed me to have the balance that I have to balance out the per- two personalities that I can take on sometimes. Awesome. And, um, probably is going to be my favorite question to ask you for very obvious reasons. Anybody who's listened to this podcast or maybe has, has uh, heard Sean talk about answer this question too. Lacey, what kind of car do you drive? What car do I drive? Yeah. Oh, so, um, right car. now. Right now, uh, I have a Porsche Boxster uh-huh. um, and a Porsche Cayenne that I'm trading in for a custom Porsche Panamera that I've wanted a, a, for a long time. Yep. And so it'll be here in a month. Um, and I, I really like I'm a big car person. Sean is not like oh. Sean like would l- drive a golf cart the rest of his life if it got him all to all the places that he actually needed. Mm-hmm. I'm such a big car person. Um, my dad taught me when I was very young how to change oil in a car, how to change my tires, how to work under the hood. So I love cars. In fact, some of my clients actually just bought me a NASCAR racing experience where mm-hmm. I get to go on track and race um, and uh, drive a NASCAR. So I'm super excited. Um, I, and that's why I love the Porsches because they are, you know, they're yeah. really fast. Uh, they drive amazingly. They're beautiful vehicles. Yeah. So you and I have the, so you, you, we both have the same Boxster, I believe, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you've got the white and the interior is what, tan? The interior is black and red. It's two-tone. It's super oh, nice. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, Okay. Cool. So tell us what is new and exciting, what's happening in your life right now? What what are some projects you're working on and where can people connect with you? You know, what do you have coming up and things like that? Yeah, of course. Um, Black Diamond Club. I mean, we've got so many things in the works right now. We have our uh, Marketing Matters uh, workshop coming up in November. Always, I'm always excited for that one. That's actually in Miami at the Fountain Blue. So the venue itself is going to be unbelievable, but the content's going to be better. I think we're going into a a new phase in this world where um, marketing is shifting and where everybody's feeling it. You know, you're feeling it on Facebook, you're feeling it on Instagram, you're feeling it on all the social media outlets. And so we're really working hard to like get people ahead of the curve. So I'm Mm -hmm. excited about the content that's getting delivered from there. Um, so I love that. So if you're interested, check it out, blackdiamondclub.com. And then for me, um, one of my favorite things with my partner, uh, Stephanie Wigner, we do a women's retreat called Champagne CEOs, where it's like an all-inclusive um, event. You leave your wallet at home. Um, you're with wonderful, amazing, like-minded women working on your business, working on relationships, all sorts of things. Um, that's coming up and that's at, in uh, Phoenix. but just find me personally 
on and actually Instagram. I like Instagram the most. I'm not a big fan of Facebook. I'm way more like reachable on there. Dr. Lacey book, check it out, find all the things I'm doing. And you know what? DM me. If you have questions, if you're working on things, if you just want to connect, like I truly, truly, truly love when people message me and we can begin to connect um, over social media. And so if you're out there and you want to ask me anything, please do. I'm an open book. Yeah. Thank you, Lacey. And I, I would say the same thing. And I would say Lacey is um, super accessible, both like energetically and also on social media. Reach out to her, connect with her, check out Black Diamond Club and their uh, marketing seminar that I will be going to as well. I'll be in Miami and, uh, and her retreat, coming up retreat. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lacey, for being here with me today on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening and stay tuned for the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some applicable nuggets to quantum leap your life and your practice. Be sure to subscribe to this channel and be the first to know when we release our next guest here on Secret Lives of Chiropractors. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Nona Javid, D-J-A-V-I-D, to keep up with my not-so-secret life. And um, check out Elevate Club at www.elevate.me, and Elevate is spelled E-L-I-V-A-T-E. We'll see you at the next episode.